when I come out of those type of runs or those physical strains, the small things seem really small and big things seem a little smaller and easier to accomplish in life. Welcome to the High Performance Health Podcast with your host, Angela Foster, the show where we talk about everything you need to break through limits and achieve a high performance mind, body and lifestyle. Welcome to another episode of the High Performance Health Podcast. I'm your host, Angela Foster, and today I'm joined by Dr. Jost Hand. He is a full-time chiropractor, lifestyle podcaster, natural health and fitness enthusiast, and he loves teaching, sharing, and inspiring others to be the best versions of themselves. For fun, he loves spending time with his family and running ultra marathons, if you can indeed say that those are fun. They're definitely fun for you. And I'm excited to hear from a chiropractor who runs because (laughs) that seemed a little incongruent at first to me. Welcome to the show, Josh. It's so great to have you here. I am very, very, very excited to be here with you, Angela. It's uh, going to be a fun conversation. It is. We have lots to talk about, and I think I'm going to really quiz you quite hard. So let's just start off because I know that you you mentioned to me when we were talking that you're actually a second generation chiropractor. So it's and you've been brought up and raised on a very natural health lifestyle, which is super exciting Mm -hmm. um, because I wasn't. So tell tell us all a bit more about you and your background and how you came to this. Okay, so uh, just I'll make this part short. But, you know, I grew up in a in a chiropractic family, so we were a very odd family compared to most people. You know, I was a kid in school where, uh, you know, a kid would be, would be sneezing and they would have to go to the school nurse and they would say, oh, I got to go get a, I don't even know what drug, but like a Tylenol. And I would look at the kid and go, you take drugs? Like that was my mentality. You know, I thought everybody's dad or mom was a chiropractor um, because we believe that the, or understand that there's an intelligence inside the body that controls and coordinates all functions. And that if that's expressing it 100%, you have the best chance of being healthy, regardless of what is going on. So I grew up doing this. I went to school uh, as a scholarship athlete, as an alpine skier, uh, transferred out of that school as an athlete when I realized I needed to do something with my life and uh, got a marketing degree. And at the end of my marketing degree, I took a science class. I took an anatomy and physiology class because I was sitting in my internship at Sony Pictures in Manhattan with my private office as an intern, looking out going, can I sit in this office for the next 30 years of my life just dealing with marketing and numbers? And something inspired me and said, no, there's no way you're doing this. So I took an anatomy and physiology class, had a phenomenal teacher, which really changed my trajectory. And I ended up going against all my advisor's uh, recommendations, you know, finishing my undergrad with marketing, I took in that following summer, I took almost every single science class you can take in one time. And they said, it's impossible, you know, chemistry and physics and biology all at the same time in a summer course, which is a very short schedule. So I was like a 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. class, made it through, went to Cairo school and here we are today. And I I love sharing my message. And that's why I created my own podcast, just like yourself, the Lifestyle Locker Radio. And I love having people and, you know, you as a guest as well on the show. So I I love inspiring people. I love pushing my body and mind to the limits because I realize there's a lot more inside than we, we really think. Yeah, absolutely. And this, this is what I'm so excited about because you seem to 
push yourself extremely hard, as you say. And I, I don't know a lot about how you push yourself yet, mind-wise. I'm keen to explore okay. that. But I know with the ultra marathons, and yet you are so in alignment. I mean, for the guys that are watching this, you'll be able to see. But Josh has perfect posture. <laughs> There's no rounding of the shoulders <laughs> like me. Um, and you are running ultra marathons. So let's start first of all with. What's important, because what we're looking at here is balancing the nervous system. Right? Mm -hmm. Would you agree? And we talked about function being important as much as anything else. Um, so let's start with, if we want to, um, on a kind of more physiological level, how can we make sure, and I know, I think you said to me that you have never gone more than a week in your entire life without a chiropractic adjustment. Yeah, as much as I can remember, there may have been one or two weeks <laughs> I was in an undergrad about four hours away from my house that I missed. That you missed, so. but that, that's pretty amazing. So I can imagine yeah. that you're very in very good form. Um, so for, for the ordinary person, what things do they need to do? Because we do get kind of quite tangled up in the way that we sit, we round our shoulders, we cross yeah. our legs and do all these bad okay. things. What's so, important? So the, the, then I'll just ask you a question just so I can give you the best answer for your sure. audience. It, it, we talk about like, what am I doing physically? What am I doing mentally? What am I doing in what way? So let's talk first of all about people who maybe have, they don't have physically active jobs. And so they're often, they're at a desk. A lot of listeners to this podcast work hard in corporate jobs. Mm -hmm. So First of all, physically, what should they be doing beyond, say, getting up and maybe, you know, hopefully having a standing workstation or treadmill workstation mm -hmm. as well and, and moving? Is it true that you should not be crossing your legs? I hear this so many times. Mm -hmm. um, are, are things like that important? And what can we do to enhance our posture? Okay, so I'm going to try to cover all that. So just point me in the right direction if I veer off. Okay. So, yes. Um, Standing desks are great. Sitting desks are great. They're all great because what we know is this, is that sitting or being in a still position is never good for a long period of time. Sitting is worse than standing. But okay. what happens, and I know for the audience that may or may not be able to see this, we've all done this. At, I'm at a standing desk right now. So what tends to happen when we're standing is we'll put weight on one leg, which throws our whole pelvis and our hips out of alignment which now the spine has to translate. So we do that. Our, in the sitting position, it becomes the same thing. We, like you mentioned, rounding shoulders, what we tend to see people do when they sit for too long a period of time. And we, we call this, my last name is Hant. We call this the Hant rule of 20. We tell people to move every 20 minutes. So yeah. we can get into that rounded position because we start to forget. We, get a, we start to not engage our postural muscles, which you know, we, when we sit down probably in the beginning of our day, we're you know, we're engaged, we're empowered to start our work day, we're sitting tall, but you know, 10 minutes in 15 minutes, 20 minutes, we're slouched over, like, like that great grandma or great grandfather with that nursing home mm. posture. And we don't realize we're doing it till it's, you know, three hours in and then we holy, why is my neck sore? Why is my lower back sore? Then you realize you haven't moved your whole body in three hours. So movement is essential, whether it's standing or sitting. So if you see me kind of shift back and forth as we're having a conversation, that's why, because I can't stand still for, for more than minutes at a time. It drives my wife nuts, but it's, it's something that, that's really important for us as humans. And when it comes to crossing our legs, horrible for you uh, for long periods of time. If you're stretching, you know, you actually feel a stretch. If, you, if you're, uh, you know, right leg over your left leg all the time and then you mm. put your left over your right you're like that feels so different and it feels like i'm stretching things that haven't been stretched 
So if you were to be a leg crosser, I would say in those 20 minutes you're sitting, flip-flop, flip-flop those legs. Mm-hmm. And I would- So you're alternating. I would alternate it, but I would also consider doing your best to like cut the habit as much as you can. And I think it's more women than men on the majority. And it's usually, I think, because of skirts and dresses and, and mm. just the clothing options that they're used to sitting that way and being proper. So, yeah. I mean, if you're in an office space, if, unless you have an open desk and you're facing people, I think you have the opportunity to move your legs in, in a lot of different directions. So, consciously, movement is probably the first and foremost, most important thing. And the, the last piece, so if you're standing this, this is like this, I call this a ninja maneuver here. This is like something advanced, which most people don't think. Most people, you can't see my feet, will stand side by side, have legs right next to each other. And if I were to stand in front of you and give you a little nudge on your chest to push you backwards, you would lose your balance and probably fall, not fall, but you'd have to take a step back. So we've all seen a Bruce Lee movie possibly or a martial arts movie. And he has these fighting stance where it's a foot forward and a foot backwards. And if you just have a subtle change, whichever foot innately goes forward, do don't try to force anything. And it could be, you know, I want to have, you know, in the UK, centimeters to inches, right? It's going to, it doesn't need to be far, but if we have that little staggerness in our legs and our feet and keep our knees bent, you're in a much better place than you are if you're standing still, which is going to automatically force you to drop to a side. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay. And what about in terms of, I find that we've got postural muscles in the back Mm -hmm. and I think I was, um, definitely criticized by my chiropractor for this often people don't work they work the big muscle groups and then they're not working Mm -hmm. the ones in the back what are the best things for kind of bringing shoulders back and down and activating that mid I believe the midsection of the back that needs it is it kind of band work or and how often is this something that should people be doing daily exercises on their back to really correct what we're doing over our computers so I'm going to break a myth that our grandparents 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 told us your okay. shoulders, your shoulders shouldn't be back. They shouldn't right? be back. They shouldn't okay. be back, right? Our ears, I'm wearing headphones, but our ears should be over our shoulders. So for the audience that doesn't get to see this, I'm going to describe, describe it. So, so you can see if I take my, my shoulders and bring them back, what direction does my head go in? Uh, forward. Forward. Forward yeah. head posture is detrimental to your health. Mm. Long-term, it can decrease your lifespan by up to 15 years. So that's bad. Right. Decrease your lifespan. Decrease your lifespan. What? Right? Just by putting your head forward. Yes. Okay. Right. How, how many healthy people do you see walk around like this? True. Very true. None. That doesn't exist. So that's the first thing. So the first thing I tell people to do is you're not going to f- be able to f- totally fix your posture yourself, but you can do things that are proactive, which are going to help you. The simplest thing I, to do is when you're at work and you're typing or whatever in front of a computer, what we tend to do is bring our shoulders up. That's a, that's yeah. a physiologic stress response right? We engage these big muscles. So what I tell people to do in in that 20 minute span, lift your shoulders up. You can do it with me. Lift your shoulders up towards your ears and drop them. That's where your shoulders should be for your particular body. Oh, that's a bit lower. Yeah. That's, that's quite a lot lower than I thought. So So you just let go, didn't we? Just let go. That's all you're going to do. And the second thing you can do, and this is a good thing to do while you're walking versus standing or sitting. uh, When we walk, we one, don't be on your technology when you're walking because I don't want you to walk and get hit by a car, like if you're staring at a phone, first and <laughs> foremost. But what you can do, if you were to think of uh, your hands swinging side by side or by your sides, 
what you can do, and, and you can see this, I make what are called okay signs, right? So I put two okay signs and I drop them down by my side. Okay. If my okay signs are facing forward, then mm-hmm. my shoulder posture is in a healthy position, right? right. If your hands, dr- if oh. you just drop your hands and they point towards each other a little bit, that means your shoulders are internally rotated. Oh. Okay, so what, I definitely normally internally right, rotate. Right, so that, the, that's simple. The, most like people, fo- most people focus on the shoulder. They don't focus mm. on the the cause of the shoulder problem, which is your hand position. So when you're walking, if you keep your hands, so you have you can just you don't have to walk with okay signs, but do that test. That'll keep your shoulders in a nice, healthy, open position. Oh, yeah. So that's just a great thing to do. And if you realize everything we do, technology, typing internally rotated phone internally rotated reading a book a paper book internally rotated so any opportunity we have to open our shoulders up and our hands up i should say so it helps our shoulders is a great thing to retrain those small those small muscle groups that's a great thing and just focus on shoulders down head towards the ceiling if you i didn't mention that with a strength to the ceiling just think tall Mm -hmm. don't bring your head up or don't bring your chin back just think tall with the shoulders down that's the best innate posture. Once you start to force things in a hard way, it's usually not right. Then it goes wrong. Those are great tips. And, and what about, so I, hold on. So I've opened up these, I've got the okay signs. I really felt that. Yeah. I've relaxed my shoulders down through this up and then just let go. Uh-huh. What about the fact that I know, because I had two discs go in my neck, I definitely push my, my chin and my neck forward too far. Mm-hmm. So you were saying that the ears need to be, above the shoulders ideally like yep your chin don't almost, force them don't force them but i just no. feel like from the side mine is a little bit protruded and that causes tension in my neck and, how can and, you bring that back and innately over time due to trauma you may be a little bit forward but okay. the goal is not to be the anatomical person, right? The textbook, the goal is to be yeah. the best version of you. So yeah. like there are different phases of breakdown in the spine and they're called degeneration phases. And we use three of them. So if you're somewhere in the middle, and I don't know if you are, and I'm not going to say that you are, but there are limit, some lim, small limitations of change just because of the, the buildup of the, the arthritis and the joint problem. The goal is to focus on the things, stop the problem. First, that's what chiropractors do. Stop the problem, but focus on making those areas that are healthy, the healthiest they can be, right? Mm-hmm. So the goal is about being that best person. Like we said in, the, in my intro is, is being that best version of yourself. So it's really just focusing on having your head tall as you can when you're walking, you know, moving around. I mean, granted, you're going to read a book, you're going to move your head, you don't have to be a robot. But when you have those opportunities, really engage with, with that posture, just being tall and shoulders down. Brilliant. Thank you. Okay. Now, the next thing we we spoke about as well is that um, feeling is a poor indicator of the health of our nervous system. We were talking about this. Mm -hmm. Function is much more important. And you gave the analogy that things like heart disease can't necessarily be helped, you know, symptoms very late in the stage. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you explain how we can take steps to keep our nervous system healthy? And Good. the interaction between the mind and the body. Of course. So we'll, I'll step back first to give you just a little overview for everybody so that you can all picture this with me. So our central nervous system is the, is the master control system in the whole body. And if you're just think of a root system for a tree and that top, like where the leaves are, it's the top is where your brain is. 
Then we have the spinal cord would be like the spinal, the trunk, the spinal cord is the trunk of the tree. And those roots are go out to every single cell tissue organ in the whole body. So that master control system is constantly sending information up and down nonstop, 3 million messages a second, all day, every day, regardless if you want it to happen or not. So that's how we live. Our body, you know, we're living via this experience through our nervous system. So what happens is there are a couple parts of the nervous system. We mentioned feeling, which is called the sensory nervous system that allows us to engage with life. Like, you know, if you touch your finger, you feel it, that sensation. If I drop a brick on my foot, I feel it and that causes pain, right? We can feel pressure and all these different things. Then there's the, there are other two other parts, which are encompassed about 90% of the nervous system, which is called the motor system. If you think of like me and ultra marathon, right? Or anybody we're running and moving, right? Like animating our body is the motor system, just like a car has a motor. The other piece is called the autonomic system, which we, which is our actual automatic system that's controls everything that we don't have to think about. Because if you think about, if we have to think about our heart beating, have to think about replacing blood cells, which we do very, very frequently, exchanging oxygen in our lungs, I think the human species would be dead, right? If we had to think yeah. about all of these <laughs> things, thank God, thank God we don't <laughs> think about them. So to, to come back to your picture, now we understand how this body works, right? We have the things that are involuntary, which we don't have to think about, thank God. We have the motor, which we can you know voluntarily move. And then we have sensation, which is perception. So most people we mentioned about you know, we mentioned cancer or heart disease, these things that show up sometimes very late in this, in their stages, which a lot of times can result in death or severe, severe trauma or uh, problems and surgeries, you know, that problem, for instance, like cancer or heart disease, those things brew for years. They, they're not showing up just that like, you didn't get cancer. If you're going to die in, in a month, you didn't just get cancer this past month. You've probably had it for 15, 20 years. You've probably had it for a very long time. So that nervous system, feeling it, like we said, is a very bad indicator of your health. What we have to start to become aware of and realize is this, is that the way we keep healthy is by maximizing the function, the overall function of our central nervous system. And how do we do that? There are three stressors that, that affect the central nervous system. One is physical. It could be bad posture. It could be a motor vehicle accident. It could be... Uh, falling off a bunk bed as a kid. It, like, think of something physical that might not be good for the body. And it doesn't need to be severe. We could have acute trauma like a big accident, but then we can have a slow trauma like posture, sitting at a desk. So there's physical trauma, this chemical trauma. What I mean by chemical trauma, if I were to drink like a Coca-Cola and eat a bag of Doritos every day, I'm putting a lot of internalized stress on my whole organ systems. I'm eating things that are not really food. Right? My body has to figure out what in the world to do with all of this stuff. So too much of that will stress out the nervous system. The third thing is emotional stress. And that's the stuff that goes on in between our ears, right? Like if, and I'm going to do this and I apologize to everybody ahead of time, but if I clap my hands really loud and if I startle you, like you're in the UK, I'm in New York. If I just startled you, I can change your physiology with noise, right? So our thoughts can make your heart rate change or blood pressure, adrenaline fire in your nervous system, right? In your adrenal glands, I change you and put you in what we call a fight or flight or stress response. And that was just with the noise. So yeah. holy cow, that's, that's scary because you're not going to have someone clap behind you all day, every day to create this stress response. Um, but it does happen from time to time, but where most people live, and I think the emotional and the chemical are, well, I guess they're all really 
equal in a sense, but as far as stress goes, we live in our own minds all the time. So we, we can create a lot of good or we can create a lot of bad in the stressors. So the, okay. I want to pause for a second and step back. So we have the, the parts of the nervous system. We have the stressors. So we, we, that some of those stressors get too high for your body to adapt to change. Like I go run an ultra marathon that's 50 kilometers, but I, didn't train at all. I've never ran a day in my life. I'm going to put some serious trauma on almost every single joint in my body. I'm going to break down muscle tissue. My body's going to be in a bad place for a while after that. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot of physical trauma. And if my nutrition is bad, I'm going to put more trauma, right? And if my headspace, if you're never trained for something like that, your headspace should be in the right place. I'm going to start to break down. And what happens internally if you were to picture, you know, we all may have a picture of what a spine looks like in our head. There are 24 bones that move. And what happens when those stressors start to come into those different areas where those nerves exit the spine, they will create this response where something shifts subtly in, in, in like a millimeter, millimeters, which we call subluxation in chiropractic. But that interference, the nervous system can be so minuscule, but long term, it can start to show up and that's where diseases and these things can start to even show their their uh, their problem because there was a study back in the early 1900s i'm trying to remember the name of it right now which i'm, I'm not having the best of luck in my head but they did an anatomy uh dissection in the early 1900s where they they took the nerves out to the different organs and they took people that died from different conditions like heart disease we'll say and they found the nerves that went to the heart and those cadavers were shrunk. They were shriveled down even more than the rest of the nerves, which meant the communication to the heart muscle to pump the blood to the rest of our body was not working as optimally as it should. So that direct connection between the organ and the nervous system is powerful. So that's, uh, that's it's, I know it's a long story, but I want to make sure it's clear for everybody. Yeah, that's very, very, well, very clear. You've broken it down really well. There's a, I was making a few notes there. So first of all, on, in relation to toxins, uh-huh. we talked about sugar, I think inflammatory fats are particularly mm-hmm. bad, things like that. Now, we're both fans of uh, Joe Dispenza's work. Uh-huh. And interestingly, he does wine tours and he loves wine. Mm-hmm. Now, wine, obviously, <laughs> people have romantic notions about wine. Um you know, it's, it's different than just alcohol per se. Um, so, um, you know, it can be a collector's item, for example. But alcohol clearly affects the nervous system mm-hmm. quite dramatically. What's the effect? What's in your view, the effects of alcohol? Are you somebody who thinks that in moderation, it's okay, nervous system wise? Mm-hmm. Or are you a teetotaler? in terms of advice as well. Well, where do you come out on, on alcohol? Obviously, I know we all know that, that, you know, drinking three bottles of wine to yourself is never going to be a good thing. That, that could be problematic, right? <laughs> so no, I'm, I'm not, we'll say against it I, or for it. I think there needs to be, if you have health goals or fitness goals, uh, I think th- all of those things come into play. And I think how much you drink probably has something to do with your health as well, because alcohol can be a chemical toxicity. And we know mm. when things are made by man, a lot of times, a lot of ingredients should probably not be getting into certain yes. wines or certain beer or whatever it is. Um, so to, as an example for myself, this was just a July 4th weekend, which we just had here in the States. And I had a couple drinks. Mm-hmm. Do I drink all day, every day? Not yeah. a chance, not a chance. 
I, I look at my life as a con, I want to constantly and, and never ending. I don't, I don't ever want to stop improving or getting better or healthier. Mm-hmm. So when I, when I'm in a training, I have a, tra- I have a race coming up in the middle of July in a couple of weeks from now, my alcohol consumption is virtually zero. Mm-hmm. And I do that because testing my body time and time again, if I have, you have a glass of wine and we buy organic wine, you know, from a, a organic vineyard and I have just a small glass of wine and I have to run the next day, I know that I had wine. I don't mm-hmm. perform well. And the same goes with types of food. So, yeah. yeah, I think if it, there are health benefits and Joe would probably say this, Dispenza would say this, there are definitely health benefits for wine. There's the social interaction when it comes to wine. A lot of times that you're not sitting by yourself, usually with a group of friends or family and engaging with each other, which is great for your body and great for your mind and your spirit. So I would, I would say really has to come down to a personal choice. I mean, if you're getting drunk every night, that's not, that's not a good thing. I think, <laughs> no, you need, I think it's, that's, 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 that's a different type of help you need. Yeah, for sure. Um, it was just interesting to me because obviously it's, I think people underestimate the effects of sugar, for example, and mm-hmm. pro-inflammatory fats and processed foods, because like we were talking function, mm-hmm. um, you know, they, alcohol gives you a symptom very quickly. So you can tell oh, yeah. that it's affecting your nervous system within a few drinks and you're maybe not as coherent and you don't even sense pain as well. Um, and you're not, you're not going to walk even as well. I mean, that's a few ways down, but I think that they, you make a very good point on terms of the toxins is a lot of people don't realize that actually there's loads of things that we just don't get direct feedback from at all, Mm -hmm. but they're having that impact on the nervous system. And it was super interesting what you were saying there about the nerves to the heart. Um, the other thing is in terms of stress and anxiety is I think there's a book, um, the body keeps the score. Um, okay. And we tend to build things up in our in our tissues, right? Some people say your issues are in your tissues, um, and that you know, what wh- what's your thoughts on that in terms of like myofascial release, um, in terms of helping the nervous system? Mm-hmm. So I'll first say I'm not an expert on myofascial release, but I will say, um, you know, anxiety issues in your tissues. I love that title. When we have like that emotional stress response. Over time, so like we said, the acute, like, uh, you know, I clap my hands real loud or a car honks at you or, you know, not paying attention and someone like startles you, that response, that that stress response, that's called that sympathetic response is short-lived. So our, 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 our fight or flight turns on, we can run, we can do whatever we need to do, but then that calms down. When we have a chronic stress, like a poor relationship or um, financial stress or all, you know, many, many, many different things, those things become chronic and your body is not designed, that nervous system is not designed to be under chronic stress for long periods of time. So we see that, I see that in my profession as a chiropractor all the time. I have now, just to give you an example, we'll have 11-year-olds, 11 and 12-year-olds that will come in in a phase two degeneration in their spine, in their neck, compared to where when I first started almost 15 years ago in practice, I... I never saw it zero times unless it was a trauma, which I didn't really see kids that were in any severe accidents. Um, And the reason that is the chronic stress that they put in their body, this is not the emotional stress, but this is the physical stress of having their heads down in technology 24 seven, right? They go to, before they go to school, their heads down, they get to school, their heads in books, they come home, their heads back down. And 
that's how long-term physical stress can uh, show up very early in life. But when it comes to emotional stress, we're, it's the same exact thing. Our mm -hmm. body cannot deal with the amount of hormones and the amount of things that are going on because it's perceiving stress. It's perceiving um, an enemy coming to attack you all the time, even though there really is no physical enemy. So mm -hmm. all of those hormones, and when you're in that stress response, you can't heal. No, you can't. Yeah, and the immune system doesn't function. That's the thing when the no. adrenal system's firing. Mm -hmm. um, yep. Yeah. So what about then? So there, there must be a direct feedback mechanism when you think like, I think it's Amy Cuddy, Cuddy talks about the power pose. She's got a, head talk, a TED talk and how you can actually, your posture can change your mood and your confidence. Mm -hmm. Presumably then there's also a way that you can tell your body that you don't need to be fearful by changing. So we always think that the mind has power over the body, but actually does the body in that sense have, have power of the mind? So, you know, I'm used to helping people, as you know, and you mm -hmm. um, invited me on your show, um, which was lovely last week when we talked about using breath work to calm mm -hmm. the mind. Can you use the body to calm the mind? Yeah, you could, the body, uh, you can, and I love this, but I use this in running as well, but I, I always have patients that come in when they see their x-rays, if they have that forward head posture, if they're, you know, degenerating and all these different things that are going on, what I tend to see is, uh, I'll say, go outside when you leave the office today and just start watching people walking and watch their facial expressions. And I say, how many times are you going to see someone smiling that's walking with their shoulders forward and their head down looking towards the floor? Mm. How many times? You will Zero. You won't see it. And how many sad people do you see walking with their chest puffed up? They're walking with this like, you know, strut in their step and their shoulders are up. How many people are you going to see sad or upset? Yeah. You don't see it because your physiology is a response to those emotional states. So if we now change the, the structure, right? We change our posture. If we're sad, you know, and I would tell someone if they're sad or upset, like go try to walk around in a group of people like standing in that power, like that good posture with your head up high, like you know, something good happened. And you may even just start to giggle because you can't not smile with your head in that position. It's, it's, it's crazy. And, I, and I'll tell a happy person, try to walk with your head down and see how good that feels. And yeah, you like, definitely notice that. Yeah. Yeah. And when, when you're with people who are confident and they're fit, they look after their bodies and mind and they've got that great posture like you're displaying, there's a, there's a magnetism, which kind of then, this is where we get, I guess we can get a bit woo-woo now because we're looking mm -hmm. at here at vibration, right? Mm -hmm. So when somebody's in that, and, and I know that you can sense the, the, the heart, you can actually measure the vibration of the heart yes. from outside the body if you're near it. And people will be familiar with the statement, an energy vampire, or there's certain people that you feel that yeah. they come too close and you're stepping away, or other people that you feel you don't quite want to be in their aura or their field mm -hmm. around. So really then, this our nervous system is having an impact on the outside, yeah. on what's outside of us, right? Yeah, 100%. So there's, there's a concept called emotional contagion, mm. right? And I want you to think of like, we're thinking like, oh, contagion, a virus. No, emotional contagion. And what that means is we've all felt this and you mentioned it. You know, if we have, if you have someone that's like, someone walks into a room, you're like, wow, who is that person? Like, mm -hmm. I just want to be around them. That is, that is their energy. They're just in such, and it's like resonating at a really high energy and emotional contagion can be measured and it's measured actually two layers deep. 
and I can't remember the exact numbers, uh, but someone we spoke about earlier, his name is Dawson Church, shared some of the research with me. He said that the person we're directly interacting with, I believe they're emotional, like if they're just in like neutral zone and you're coming in all, you know, happy and excited and they, they sense that you're impacting them by about 33%. Okay. If, and then the person that they're going to have interaction with, let's just say it's a, a cashier at a, at a grocery store, then they're going to pass that same good vibe to the next person at about 15%. So your, your energy field can affect so many people you have no idea. Like if you walk into a party, right, what can happen? How many people are like, I mean, we could just mm -hmm. picture like that atomic bomb just slowly keeps going out. So I think the same thing happens emotionally where whether it's the vampire you spoke about, like, <laughs> it, like most people won't want to go towards them. They're like, I'll see you later. I'm going to go, you know, that other direction. <laughs> that like, drink I don't, and go. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or exactly. If, they, if that, that person starts a conversation with you, you'd be like, well, I think it's that time I must be, you know, and you're going to, you're going to leave. Mm. So it's, it's so true in so many different ways. And also here's the next, here's something else cool to conceptualize. How many of your listeners, even yourself, have you ever stubbed your toe in the morning on a bed, like bumped it into something. And then the rest of your day, there was always an excuse for something bad that was happening. That was annoying. That was like, just like really frustrating. And it just like your day goes on because you put yourself in a headspace mm. of uh, you know, like mad, and it's just yeah, and then fall. so many things happen, and then you're like, it's just one of those uh -huh. days, exactly. Yeah, you kind of, but actually, yeah, because you're kind of your thoughts are things, right? And they are then controlling the outcomes. But that yeah. that's amazing what you just said right there that you can. So someone who's in a neutral state can be impacted thirty three percent by someone in a positive state. Then they that impacts them, and then they can yeah. go and then transfer at fifteen percent. This is amazing yeah. because yeah, that really even, is a ripple effect. Even they don't even need to be in a neutral. They can be in a bad state. Oh, really? Okay. And if your energy is higher, yeah, you're going to give that contagion, right? You're going to spread that emotion. If your energy is lower than them and they're the worse, I believe yeah. it will go the opposite direction. Yeah, amazing. Okay. Yeah. Um, so let's before we get into because I want to talk to you now about ultra running. Just okay. because you mentioned there, like waking up in the morning, and it and it and it remind me of a question I had for you. When you wake up in the morning and also at sleeping at night, there's always confusion over which pillow, how straight you should, whether you should lay on your back. Mm -hmm. Just very briefly, is there an optimal way to sleep, sleeping yeah. position um, I, for our spine? Yeah, I think there are a couple optimal ways. And I think okay. it depends on what research you look at from what person or what pillow company, right? Who's selling what at this point? Yeah. Uh, ideally, because we have technology, we have pillows, we have mattresses, we're not sleeping on a dirt floor, we can modify things. So the way I tend to sleep, me personally, that I like, that I'm the most comfortable and I wake up feeling the best or just in the, we'll say the best uh, mood, I'm a side sleeper. Okay. Okay. And when we, when we sleep on our sides, it's ideal to have, you know, we have special pillows in our practice, which I, I can't sell to you or anybody on the show. But the special pillows that we use, and you can buy these pillows in other places, it's going to support the gap between your shoulder and your head. So your head is not tilting mm -hmm. the whole night. I mean, just picture holding your head like this for eight hours, yeah, five hours. Yeah, it's going to be stiff when you it's wake gonna, up. Yeah, it's going to be terrible. So that's one way. The second way we teach people to sleep is on their back. Uh, and that we have the pillow we use is, is multifunctional. But what it does, it helps in your spine and your neck. You have a very specific curve that looks like a C. 
which you've probably seen as, you know, being to a chiropractor and it helps support the curvature. So if you don't have a curvature and you're going to jump into one of these pillows right away, it may be very uncomfortable and you're going to yell at the pillow and never use it. But that's why it's great. If you're going to do this, you need to get in slowly with it or see a chiropractor and then really modify that pillow because you can have a lot of really good things happen while you sleep, right? Mm -hmm. It's, this is hours of time that we're doing on our back. So, and stomach, never, it's not good. Never, 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 never. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm a back sleeper. And what about when we wake up? Is there something that we should do physically before we get going? Are there certain exercises that would be great to do when you get out of bed? No need. No, No, I mean, if you were to ask me, I say, before you get out of bed, make sure you put a smile on your face. That would be the most important thing, right? Yeah. You know, that would be the most important thing yeah. that can help start that whole process of your day. But that's that's a different story. Just a smile. But that's powerful in itself. Okay, let's get into running because um, lots of people will, you know, will be thinking, how can you run ultra marathons as a chiropractor? And I'm super excited to quiz you on this, to be honest, because I like I love running. What um, a lot of people worry about the impact of running, particularly as they um, get older. Then you'll hear people talk about the fact that ancestrally we were not built to jog. We were, you know, we would have been walking endurance for long distances, and then we might have had to sprint if we were running away from something or fighting. Um, can you explain more? Because you're obviously running very long distances yep. without any kind of harmful effects. Mm-hmm. What, what's your view on running? So I think we were. There's a book called Born to Run. I think we were born to run. I okay. truly, truly, truly do. I don't think we're all all Neanderthals or all Homo sapiens, right? We weren't like a, a person always taking an, a, a device to kill an animal. We had to forage. We had to do things. And in, in parts of the world where there may not have been a lot of you know animals or fish or anything to be, get close, you got to get to them if you're going to want to have flesh in your diet, want to have meat in your diet. So- I think running is something that's innate. It's inborn. If you watch kids play, they're not walking. They can run for hours, right? And, and, and when you see kids move around barefoot, it's probably the best for them, right? Once you put a kid in a shoe, I don't have any kids, but like my nephews and all kids in our practice, when you put them in a shoe, don't they walk funny? Like, like, like they yeah. just start to learn to walk. Yeah, they, they, do. They, they can't feel the ground. They don't know what's mm. going on. The nervous system in the soles of our feet is very, very, very powerful. It's giving us feedback to our brain. So if we can't feel anything, now our biomechanics change starting at a very young age. So I think being barefoot, being up, I'm barefoot right now, being barefoot at home, being barefoot where you can is phenomenal for your body and your joints. So when we get into running, uh, I am, I, the people in my practice, my patients call me the shoe police with people because I think your shoes will either really help you or really hurt your body. Because most runners complain about what is knee pain Mm. and then hip pain and then maybe ankle and then eventually up to the spine and everywhere else. So I'm going to, I'm going to use, I'm going to use some painting words like so we can paint some pictures in everybody's heads. So now I'll tell you what brand shoes that I use and why after for, for the specific reasons. So if we take a traditional running sneaker, running shoe, and we look at it from the side. What does it look like? Really fat in the back and small in the front. What does that remind? Does that remind you of anything? What do women wear to look good? Heels, yeah. Heels, right? Mm-hmm. And when you wear a heel, what does it change? Let's be honest here. Does it change the way you look? Is that why you wear it? 
That's why women wear it. I mean, you yeah, may like the does. shoe, but it changes but your calves. It, I noticed it. Yeah, it changes your, it makes you more calf dominant when you're yep, um, in right. heels. Exactly. So it, 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 it makes your calf muscles look good if you're wearing a dress. It changes yeah. the way your rear end looks. It makes you hold your chest tall. But what it also does is it makes your head go forward. It makes you sway your low back. It changes the biomechanics of your ankles, knees, and hips when you wear them. So that may be, you know, I don't know in centimeters, but here like two, three inches or more is a heel uh, for a high heel shoe. If we take that running shoe, now it's 20 millimeters different. I know I only know running shoes because of this. You know, if we have that big difference, our biomechanics are still being affected the same way. Okay. Engaging our calf muscles more. We're putting our mm -hmm. knees in a weird position, our hips in a weird position, our low back, and all the way up to the top. So when we run with this, we're creating an inefficient way to run. I mean, shoes were designed to try to make people faster, right? Like way back when Nike started making these different shaped running shoes, you know, 30 or 40 years ago, whatever it was. So we change our biomechanics and we do this now for decades. And that's like the most popular style of shoe. Of course, you're going to see like, if we go back to the history of shoes, you'll see when spot, joint injuries started happening, it's in the design of the shoe. So it only makes sense that the shoe is hurting us, not helping us. It may make you faster. You know, if you're an Olympic athlete and you can land on your heel, but when, if I put you barefoot right now on your grass, would you want to smash your heel into the grass all the time? Yeah. Or would you be more like, neutral, like watching a kid run, right? On the grass, mm. they're going to be more neutral. So I think our shoes make a huge, huge difference in how we run. I run in the Merrill five fingers, which you may have seen those funny looking yeah, monkey feet, awesome. right? So, right. So I've used those. I don't use them a lot now with my ultra running. I've used some of the Merrill barefoots. I use a company mm. called Ultra, A-L-T-R-A. And the reason I like them in the barefoot style shoes is that that toe and heel drop are equal, whether it's a thicker cushion shoe or a thinner cushion shoe. Um, and the other thing that I like about them and what most other sneakers do and high heels do the same thing. If these are my toes, shoes do that. Yeah, they do. They, they squish pinch, you in. They squish yeah. our toes in. Mm -hmm. So again, when we talk about nervous system response, our body's not getting the feedback it needs. So the ultras allow our feet to have a natural toe box and they're, they're men and women specific which is also really neat. And I'm not a salesperson for the, for the shoe company, so don't, <laughs> I don't want anybody to think that. <laughs> but I, I love them. I probably have six, seven, eight pairs of them at a time that I go through, but it lets your feet be at most comfortable. And the one thing I've never really had a problem with running ever is my feet with these shoes. I mean, I've bumped into rocks and I get other things with trail running, but my joints don't bother me. I may sore. I get sore like a, I'm a normal human being. I get sore okay. when I run, but I'm not... Uh, I'm not like limping in pain because I hurt something from a run. So, you, so you're not worried then about the impact of no. the constant? No. Okay. No. Interesting. And um, what about when you're running? Are you running at a mono speed or are you varying it? Because like if I look at my dog, for example, when I go in the morning, it seems very intuitive the way that he moves. So mm -hmm. he will be you know, walking for a bit, then he'll see something, it alerts him, he might chase a rabbit, he'll sprint, then he'll kind of canter for a bit, then mm -hmm. it's it's a variation all the time. Yep. Yeah. So I believe I'm that's say, what we should do. Yeah, I th yeah. I I th I think that's an innate thing to do, unless you're in a race and you're gonna push yourself beyond certain limits. Um just an example of what I use, but I wanted to touch on this earlier and I'm glad you brought it up now, is I use data 
that'll help me. And your mind and your body will talk to each other with this. And what I mean is I wear a running watch. I have a GPS watch that tracks me when I'm running through the woods. And what happens if I feel myself either pushing hard, I feel like, like my head is racing in some off some wrong direction thinking, which I probably shouldn't be thinking about when I'm running, I'll check my heart rate and my heart rate will usually be much higher than it should be in a, in a run. So for me to slow my mind down, so my heart rate could slow down, I just, I'll either slow my pace or I'll even walk. Okay. Right. So, so like, cause once my heart rate calms down, my mind, the thinking changes. So I follow my physiology a lot. Mm-hmm. I, a lot of times I can sense it without even looking at my watch at this point, but it was something I've heard uh, another ultra runner talk about. And I said, huh, that makes sense. Let me, let me test it. And for me, it's, yeah, it's, it's that innate feeling. Again, it's, it's, are you doing it for fun and for health and fitness, or are you doing it to be an Olympic runner? Yeah. Type of so this is again using your body to kind of control the mind. So mm-hmm. is that because you see you think your heart rate's going up because you're pushing yourself too hard or because you've now you're running a program in your mind that's more anxiety focused and you need to engage that parasympathetic yeah. nervous system a bit more? I'd, I'd say it's probably both inner like okay. and it's hard to double I feedback. I, I can't figure out which one came first, like that chicken or egg theory. Like I don't know which one happened first. And you also said at the beginning, because I know when we were speaking as well the other day, you weren't running originally until a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And you decided that you wanted initially to run a marathon. You busted your knee a bit. But other than that, it was all good. But you made the point at the beginning of the podcast that actually, if somebody just decides, right, I'm going to suddenly go out and start running, then of course, you're putting too much stress on the body. So looking at the nervous system, you know, people, people that are listening will be at all different stages. Okay. Mm-hmm. There'll be some people that aren't runners, some people who run a bit um, and people who actually run a lot. So kind of looking across that, what's your advice in terms of building up? Is it, is it varying the speed? Is it, is it having days off? Is that important? Yeah, you know, there's I, some I people think, that get up and run every day. Um, I, think what's your thought? I think it's really individual specific and it's got to, you got to define your goals. You got to define what you want out of running and what you want to put into running. You know, if your goal is a marathon, there's lots of different styles of programming. What I would recommend would probably be very different than a traditional old school runner. Um, I'd say baby steps are always good, but there always needs to be a challenge. There always needs to be something that's going to test your limits, whether it's for speed, for distance, or time. Those are the ways I, you know, I tend to train. You know, I'll do hill work. I do lots of different variations. And I think running is a piece of the puzzle. It isn't the puzzle, right? So you, mm-hmm. when you start running, for me, it's been a great teacher. You know, I've really dialed in because of the type of running I do. It's really helped me really fine tune my nutrition. I know what's going to help me and I know what's not. Mm-hmm. Right? It's, help, it's helped me with my sleep. I know when I need to go to sleep. Because if I don't, I know what's going to happen the next day. Or, and I know it's going to hurt my recovery if I'm not doing certain things. So the, the goal is to start with baby steps. I mean, there are coaches out there. I have a, I have a, I have a free program, which I can offer any of your, your group. It's really designed for the people that are running, but it's free. Okay. They're already like at 5K, maybe 10K distance to help them get farther, faster in a safe way. And it touches on the different things we spoke about, like the physical, the emotional, the chemical. Um, What's the name of that? The, the program is called, if they Googled, it's the Lifestyle Locker 45-Day Endurance Challenge. So it's a mouthful. I'll share a link with you. 
Brilliant. Yeah, I'll link to that in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. So is that, and then I have a short distance one also, which is a thirty called the thirty sixty five program, which is a pay for. It's inexpensive at this point. It's between five and ten dollars a month for people if they want to participate. It's all about accountability and help. Okay. So, but nonetheless, that's uh, you know not here to sell that, but there are ways to to start, and there are ways if you're already at the level to get farther. You know, I, and I share a lot of my experience with all of that because I've I've been the beginner. I still consider myself a beginner in the ultra world. So that's just the way, you know, there's always a learning experience. Yeah. And do you focus on recovery outside of the run in terms of physical oh, yeah. recovery? You oh, do. Yeah. oh yeah. Big time. So just to give an example after, depending if I'm running close to my home, if I'm running on the street or the trails close to my home, uh, if my wife is home, I'll, I'll call her when I'm like, you know, a mile or two from my house. I'll say, we have a, we have a big soaking bathtub. And we have water that's from a well. It's very cold. In Fahrenheit, it's about 50. I mean, it's not freezing. It's not ice water. But it's, I mean, you stick your feet in that, your toes in it. It's like, yeah. so I'll go in a call. I'll do a cold water plunge when I get home. Some breath work. Like we mentioned, Wim Hof, I'll do some of this breath work. And I'll jump. I'll, I'll plunge. If that's not the case, I'll take a cold shower. Um, I do some self-soft tissue work, some light stretching, foam rolling. There's a variation of things I do. Mm. Um, but sleep it's is so a important. Huge, yeah, it's because you know what you know you're doing really well with with running or fitness when you recover fast. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And the cold is great. But the thing is, you say it's not freezing, it's not an ice bath, but 50 Fahrenheit is actually cold enough. And also, yeah, you get all the other benefits, right? Of resilience and yeah. also fat burning, you get more brown fat. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and headspace. That and is headspace. not that is not easy to do. No, it isn't. How long are you in there when you go in? Uh, it depends. If it's just the if it's that fifty degrees and I don't have ice to throw in, um, I can go in. I can go in pretty decent long time. I just got to breathe through it. Um, I don't need to go that long, but I'll do like three or four minutes. But I've done ice water in upwards of six minutes. You know where it's it's zero Celsius. You know wow. I've been there, uh, which that is challenging, and that was more a mental game for me than maybe the health benefit, <laughs> but. Yeah. And you do Wim Hof breathing first, do you, before you go in? Usually, yeah. If I yeah. Do, I'll do a short version of it, a short version of it, just to help me clear my head. and uh, So not prep. enough that you're getting dizzy? No, I won't do it that way. But it's more about like if, you've, if people, if you can Google him, everybody can Google him. But it's I'll do some of the simple movements that he does and, yeah. and some breath work. And then I just, you know, it's almost getting me into a little bit of a meditative state to get ready to be uncomfortable. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's great. He's got he's got a free app as well. So let's so let's let's finish off then, because you said you're obviously pushing your body hard, but you're mm-hmm. recovering and recovery, as I would say, is is massive. Mentally, you just mentioned there the cold exposure. Mm-hmm. What are the other ways that you like to push yourself mentally that can enhance your overall uh, nervous system? Well, I I mean I use the the running and is my favorite thing. This ultra endurance, but that's not for everybody. And and how I just I'll explain it very shortly is. Short distance running, you use your body, like 5K, 10K, 15K. You can, it's your body. You don't really need headspace to get there. You can push through that physically. And once we get to that marathon length and a little more, you really have to tune into your mind. At least I do. Like mm-hmm. I really, my body has to like almost turn off a little bit so I can just start being in my headspace. And at a certain point, I say that cracks as well. Like that's has to shift. And then I go from there, I, I call it like transcending. I go to almost like a spiritual state or what people call the flow state mm-hmm. where I don't really feel pain. 
I feel like I could keep going and I may be 10, 12, 15 hours into a run at this point or more. And it's, it's, it's hard to describe, but when I come out of those type of runs or those physical strains, uh, 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 small things seem really small and big Mm -hmm. things seem a little smaller and easier to accomplish in life. So um, it's all becomes a metaphor for me. So I do that. I, I meditate every single morning and I wish I think we spoke about on, our, on my show as well with you when we were talking about meditation. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I've done some workshops, like some meditation workshops. So I've done one with some big ones with Joe Dispenza and those are, I mean, you really, I've, I've had, I'd say an out of body experience at uh, the main event that I was at with him, the live event. And I swore, you know, people think I'm crazy, but I swore there was something whether it was spirit or whatever, like was tapping me on the shoulder during the meditation. And I actually had a conversation with him at dinner that night after I said, was your staff like playing with me? Like, Nope. He goes, wow. and then we started to talk about energy states. And I like, that to me was probably the biggest mind mm. bomb that like went off in my head, like, holy cow, like we're, we're like a tiny piece of this whole equation, the physical body. We get beyond that. It's really powerful. So really powerful. Cause also in, in those Joe Dispenser events, you're doing it with a lot of people around yeah, you as well. Yeah, That's the yeah. thing. Yeah. I think um, there were over 400 at my event. Amazing. About, yeah. Yeah. And, um, what about, I know you do um, some of the Emily Fletcher meditation uh-huh. as well. Uh-huh. So what's your kind of, because Joe Dispenza, I think often requires a bit more time. It's difficult uh-huh. to say, do, are you able to, you know, you were saying when you're doing the ultra running, you can get into that flow state. Are there uh-huh. other ways that you found that you can kind of access a flow state um, a bit more on demand? No, I have, I have, you know, I had that conversation just this past week with uh, Dawson Church and really trying to figure out how to, engage in that, like, and really like have that show up in my life. I haven't really figured it out. And I think it's, you know, my practice, I'll get to points where I don't realize, you know, four hours went by when we're seeing patients, when it becomes, I think it's just, it's like when you get, when you, you're aligned mentally and physically with what you're doing, mm. that the things just, just move. Yeah. And I think when, when people you've had some of those moments sometimes where like you're, you're engaged in an activity or meditation where like it's super fast engage. Like I think to me, that'd be my perception of what maybe flow state was when you come out with like a smile on your face going, Holy cow. I can't believe that was just like three hours of my day type yeah. of thing. Yeah. But no, I, I can't find like the button or the trigger yet. I, that's part of, part of my life learning experience for sure. Yeah, absolutely. That's everyone. Everyone wants to get there. It's where you're kind of almost in sync with time. You can't feel it, right? It's yeah. it's, it's an amazing feeling um, and so good. Well, thank you so much. Um, you've shared so much there today. There's so many tips. Um, what are your favorite, like, is there a favorite book or a favorite mantra? Anything that's inspired mm. you that you would share that other people can, you know, maybe access this stuff a bit more? Yeah. So for... I mean, we mentioned Joe Dispenza's books earlier. I think if you go to his webpage and just look at his books, if you're a skeptic, get he's got a book called Evolve Your Brain, which is a little sciencey, nerdy, sometimes a little hard to read. But if you're a skeptic, it'll 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 help you. 
If you are not, I would say, uh, and you get the audio version as well, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. Those are two of his awesome books. All of them are great. I mean, I would say get all of his books, but if you want to start start with one of those two. Um, for something that inspires me to run, and this is, if you're soft and don't like foul words, I wouldn't get this book. Uh, there's a guy named David Goggins. Oh, yes. Yeah. All right. He's got a book called Can't Hurt Can't Me. Can't Hurt Me. Yeah. Which I've I, read it. It's brilliant. I listened to during last season's ultra marathon i listened to it probably six times on audio and get the audio book don't buy the paper book get the audio book it's like a podcast and a book at the same time uh, and it's 13 i think it's like 13 hours and i i listen i probably have over 100 hours of listening to this thing but there are certain just stories when he starts talking about things for me it's just it becomes an anchor right which we didn't really talk about but mm. it's it helps trigger just some thoughts in my head which helps put me into a state which lets me know that like I can go farther than I think, regardless of how I necessarily feel. So that's something I a lot of times will listen to. My wife will probably yell at me in two weeks when we have four hour drive to my next race, but I'll, we'll probably be listening to it. Wow. That's it. That's, so you've read that six times. I've read it. I've got to go back to it now. You've yeah. Uh... Yeah, I guess if, if on you, a great book, you always miss bits as well. So going yeah. back is always. Audi- um... And if you don't have the audio book, it's, it's get the it. audio. Yeah. It's yeah. really worth it. Amazing. I will link to all of those in the show notes and also your programs um, and your website. So just just before you go, tell everyone, where can they find you on social, on your website okay. to share those handles? So, I mean, me, Josh Hant on Facebook is very easy. You can find me there. Um, I have a chiropractic practice in, in, uh, in New York City, as well as my podcast, which is lifestylelocker.com. Uh, I'll share. I mean, if you find me on Facebook, my personal page. If I don't have anything available, send me a message and I'll, you know, I'll share everything else with you. Instagram is at Dr. Josh Hant. Uh, and I think everywhere else is that as well. So it's just my name. I'm not hard. I'm not, I'm not hard to find. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. Um, I will link to all of that. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Josh. It's been amazing to have you here today. Well, thank you so much, Angela. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Remember to review and subscribe. You can grab the show notes, the resources and highlights of everything Angela mentioned over at AngelaFosterPerformance.com. You can also snatch up plenty of other goodies, including the highly helpful Angela Recommends page, which is a list of everything she personally recommends to optimize your mind, body and lifestyle.